Happiness cannot be traveled to, owned, earned, worn, or consumed. Happiness is the spiritual experience of living every minute with love, grace, and gratitude. That's a great quote by Dennis Waitley. Welcome to HEAL, conversations to guide you toward personal growth and overall well-being. And welcome to this next episode of HEAL. Britt is here with me today, and we are excited to introduce our next guest. Her name is Lydia Noor, and she is a health and wellness educator. Uh, how are you, Lydia? Welcome to the podcast. I am so happy to be here. That's how I am. Thank you. <laughs> well, we're happy to have you here. Um, so you sent this little, little snippet of your story, and it's so interesting. I always love to find out um, why people do what they do now. Usually it means that they've gone through something um, terrible or hard or, you know, life-changing. And then all of a sudden they find this thing or these things that help them through. And then they want to share that with others. And your story seems to be similar. So tell us, Lydia, where did you start your life off <laughs> such a funny uh, question well, so what, starting at the very beginning yeah. <laughs> you can start I'm, at I'm whatever go. beginning you feel comfortable starting at yeah well the very beginning is important I think it kind of adds context to the whole story and, and helps to shed light on how I landed where I did so yeah you know I'm the youngest of three girls um, born and raised um, in a little suburb outside of Toronto Ontario Canada and oh, very nice um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Toronto's a great city. I actually live in the heart of the city now, so I feel really lucky. And I was, you know, raised in a middle class family, you know, very traditional. Uh, my parents were of an Eastern European background, um, you know, but pretty chill. They had done most of their schooling in Canada. So, you know, they were pretty hip parents, young parents and, you know, really good upbringing, did the university thing and met and married a beautiful man. Oh, sorry. Before I talk about my beautiful man, um, I went to school to study nutrition. I was always interested in health and wellness. Oh, so okay, good. Yeah, that makes sense. I still, still carried that through into my second career. Um, but I studied nutrition. So I was a registered dietitian for 25 years. And upon graduating from school, I married a gentleman that I had been dating all through university. His name was Mike, and he was an aerospace engineer. Um, wow. Went on to do many weird, cool things in his career. Um, really smart guy, uh, more, more than smart. He never, he always said, I'm not that smart. I just work hard. I'm like, okay, well, same difference. You know, I, I am smart. I just don't work that hard. Jesus, <laughs> I, I, work you know, really, I work really hard, but I'm not sure if I'm as sm smart as Mike was. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, you know, we met, we uh, married after university and had a beautiful home life. Three gorgeous daughters of our own. So I'm one of three girls and I had three oh, girls. Neat. Yeah. And yeah, and I always like to say we kind of had that white picket fence life, even though we didn't technically have a white picket fence, but we had the nice life, you know, successful careers, both of us, great family life, great, great, great marriage. I need to say that because that's really important um, in the story. And I found myself somewhere in my early 40s, ladies, feeling a little restless. And I felt guilty yeah. even acknowledging it, you know, when you get this sort of restlessness, okay, there's more to my life, you know, I have great home life, great marriage you know, beautiful children, career choices, all of it's good. 
but something's missing for me. I was feeling a bit of a restlessness and an unease on the inside. And I said, okay, you know what? I kind of just need to have a conversation with my husband and say, you know what, this is what I'm feeling. So he had this great thing. He used to always say two things to me. One, and it was our family mantra always and continues to be, just do what makes you happy, whatever that looks like. I don't care if that's working three jobs. I don't care if that's working no jobs. Just do what makes you happy. And I'm like, okay, great, thank you. And he also said, don't spend so much time dwelling on it. Just focus on the present, like really get present and be happy in the moment. You know, don't think about the past and all the good times and all those memories that are gone. You know, I mean, you'll always have them. Don't dwell on that and don't spend too much time thinking about what's next. Just focus on now. I'm like, okay, so these are really good tidbits of advice. And that was truly the way he lived his life. Those are, those are unbelievable tidbits of advice. Those, if you could just remember those two things for the rest of your life, then you would, I think, have a very fulfilling life. And I do, I have an <laughs> I do, uh, but it took, it took some time. Yeah. So, you know, he's going on in his own career. So he went from aerospace engineering into computer technology, into many different industries throughout his career, but always very high level, very smart mm-hmm. guy. And uh, over time I was watching him get really tired. He was in a job for about a year or so where he was traveling a ton. Most of our married life, he did travel, but he was traveling a ton. And I started to really see the toll it was taking on him to the point where I could actually see it kind of aspect, uh, affecting his, his essence, you know, his energy, his yeah. joie de vie. Not that yeah. he was getting crabby or anything, but he was definitely getting quieter. And I really, it worried me. So I remember saying to him one day, because we always had that check-in point, are you happy? You know, are you good? And he said, I am good. He goes, I'm just, you know, it's a big grind here. I'm trying to build something with this business. And, you know, you're not going to be seeing too much of me for the next little while because I'm going to be traveling a ton. And so I dropped him off at the airport one day back, this was in April of 2013, and he was on this five-day whirlwind trip to China. And I remember my heart was so heavy dropping him off at the airport thinking, there he goes on another trip he just doesn't have the energy for. Yeah. And three days later, I got a phone call from his boss telling me that he died in China. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Thank you so much. And yeah, really... Utterly and completely devastating. Absolutely. And you had this feeling when you dropped him off too. I feel like right on. There he goes. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. There oh. he goes on another trip. He just doesn't have the energy for. And my heart was so heavy. So when I got that call, I was devastated, but I wasn't entirely shocked. I had this feeling. But the interesting thing that happened, and you know, the grief journey is long and it's not linear, believe me. But the interesting thing that happened, which I think is really important to this particular podcast, is that in those very early hours after receiving the news, because I got this phone call at three o'clock in the morning. Of course. And so right. my, my pragmatic side says, there's no reason to call anybody right now because it's not changing what's just happened. So I'm going to wait a couple hours to wake up my kids. And I'm going to wait a couple hours to call his mom and tell, start telling people. And I'm just going to sit with this. And I remember having this crazy overarching feeling of love surround me. Like that's the best way I can describe it. Love and gratitude. And I started being flooded with these memories of our early days together, even before kids, when we were just a young, married, newly married couple. And I could really feel his presence. And I knew there was more going on around me than I could see because I had been this woman who a few months earlier had said to her husband, I'm struggling with my inner happiness. There's something missing in my life. And now all of a sudden I'm feeling surrounded in, this, in the midst of this news by something bigger than me. And I know there's spirit or the universe or God or my angels or him like working yeah. in my life here with me at this moment. And, you know, so that stayed with me because it was so fundamental to the timing of what had just happened. And I remember 
thinking in the months that followed his passing, I mean, there was so much to get through, but I really wanted to try and maintain that connection very deeply, figure out what that was, because I knew I'd connected mm-hmm. to something bigger than myself. And so that led me to spend a lot of time in nature, really getting quiet, receiving what would come to me in terms of thoughts and feelings and silent conversations and honoring the fact that this is spirit at work in my life. And yeah. even though it's something that is bigger than me, it's a bigger presence, it's inherently within me because what it's doing for me is it's creating an inner peace, not just peace with what's happened, but my own inner peace. And as soon as I found that inner peace, that was my missing piece. That was that thing that I'd been craving, that I'd been yearning for. That was that that feeling of, of restlessness inside. It was searching for inner peace and more meaning in my life. Mm-hmm. And so I took what I recognized to be a, a huge awakening. I always say that his passing was my spiritual awakening. And I thought, this is what I need to do next in my career. So previously in my career as a dietitian, I had had many different experiences, but the one that I sort of was my, my favorite and my sort of launching pad to my success in my career as a dietitian was working in media. So I would go speak from a stage. I would go speak on TV. I would be on radio and print talking about healthy messaging around eating, food, nutrition, fitness, all of that. Mm-hmm. But then I, you know, once all of this happened, I said, you know what, there's a much more important part of nourishment than just physical well-being. Nourishing mm-hmm. our inner well-being is really the valuable piece and sort of discovering who you are and living very authentically, living with the most energy you can live with, you know, if you live, um, you know, from a place of inner well-being. So that became the message that I wanted to go out and share on the stage. And for me, it was all about discovering my own inner essence. So I developed a program called Discovering You, which is your yeah, own uniqueness. Very looking forward to hearing about that. So keep going, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it just kind of came to me that, oh my gosh, I just found, you know, I found my most inner essence. So now I want to help people find theirs. And it's all about nourishing your well-being. So I started going out and speaking on, you know, at keynotes, at conferences, doing workshops. And about a year and a half into all of this, everything was going really well. And I really was starting to feel whole and like myself again, I got a diagnosis of cancer. And I remember sitting with the news because it was thyroid cancer. And when I met with my surgeon, he said, okay, well, we have to do a fairly extensive surgery because it was all in the lymph nodes in my neck. And so in the space of a year, not even, I had two major surgeries and follow-up treatments. And there was some risk of me losing my vocal cords. Oh my gosh. That, you know, and that's what you did for a living. Yeah. 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 Wow. Exactly. Exactly. And I remember thinking, okay, but I was already down this spiritual path, right? Knowing that everything happens for a reason. I knew that my husband's passing was an opportunity for me to awaken to my inner spirit. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that this was there for a reason. And to me, it was a big push in the behind to say, just go out and use your voice in whatever way you can do that, whether it's from a stage, from a page, however you can, whatever platforms are available to you go out there and share your story because people need to hear what you have to say and the story carries on so I will but um <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, that's I, a I great play. great great episode nice great. having you <laughs> yeah, yeah no there's so much more to the story because like, okay, I, I, I threw in a little fun little like teaser line earlier saying life isn't linear and life definitely is not linear oh obviously no, not, no. not already I don't know you yeah. know not through the group tree. The thing, so what happened though with the cancer is I, you know, my vocal cords were fine and I knew that, okay, I got to go out and use my voice. But at this point, you know, I I really swept the cancer under the rug. I think I, now I've had to do like a hard stop and look back at my life now that I am five, six years ahead of that part of my life and realize that I really swept that part of my life under the rug because it was so soon after my husband died and everybody was still grieving his loss that I thought this is something that I almost, you almost, did you not have time to 
I, I mean, I know several people who have been through treatment for cancer and, and I've talked recently with one who has said um, something to the effect that like, I haven't had time to deal with what just happened to me. Like I've, I've got the diagnosis, I've gone through the treatment, I'm fine now, you know, going back and making sure I'm getting those checks, but I haven't really had time to, to talk about or deal with what actually just happened because it was so quick yeah. and it was, yeah. And she, you know, lost part of her and it's just, it was a lot. And, and, and I wonder if that's what you mean or if you mean something well, else. What, what I meant by that is because we'd already, we were all still somewhat reeling from the news of losing my husband because it was such a sudden death and it was everybody was that, so grieving. 2013 is not that long ago, you know? Well, and then my cancer diagnosis, I had my first surgery in 2014 and my second one in 2015. Yeah. So, you know, so when I say I kept it, I kept the cancer really small. I kind of swept it under the rug and to everybody, I didn't even tell any of my friends to, to my immediate family. I just said, this is what it is going to have surgery, going to have follow-up treatment. I'll be good. It's all fine. Looking back, I really did myself a disservice by not dealing with it because it was a big deal, yeah. but because in light of, in comparison to what I'd been through losing my husband, I kind of didn't feel like that big of a deal. And I didn't want to be that woman who had just, oh my gosh, just lost her husband and now she has cancer. So I just, I'm not a victim. That's never been my way. Yeah. So I, I kept it small and looking back, I think that was a huge disservice because you know, what happened in, in the couple of years following that was, you know, I was still very steady by day, strong, resilient, sole parent, you know, now she's navigated cancer. But when I would shut the door at the end of the day, I turned to some unhealthy coping mechanisms that yeah. just sort of became, it became my thing. And, you know, well, you, you know, I, you had, you, had the, the, you shut the door and it's nighttime and you have time potentially to think about everything. And then you don't want to, whether you're consciously making that decision by turning to the coping mechanisms or not, but you just do it, you know? And, and, and I do, I, and I do think that um, when you finally realize what you're doing, whether it takes months or years or a lifetime, you realize it, um, and you start to, you can come out of it. You can come out of it once you realize what's happening. It just takes awareness, I guess, to be able to absolutely. figure out that that's what's happening, you know? You nailed it. You absolutely nailed it, yes. And the interesting thing is, you know, that initial awakening that I had, you know, and going out and speaking to people about nourishing your inner well-being and really connecting to your essence, whatever you want to call it, your intuition, your inner spirit, your essence, whatever you want to call it, that thing that's that you know, most fundamental part of yourself, you know, that if you listen to it and honor it, it will never mislead you. I always that call it this bright, you. big, big light of love, <laughs> this big light of yeah, love. That's the love, center, your love you know? light. Yeah, your love light. I your love true it. essence, I'm your right. authenticity, it's who you are deep down. Exactly. And that yeah. never left me. And thank goodness it never did. Because, yeah. you know, when I started going down that path of, you know, turning to wine every night and as my coping mechanism or as my shut off button or whatever it was at different times in my life, that was the one piece of my life that didn't align with everything else I'd been through and everything mm -hmm. I learned from the journey. And mm -hmm. I said to myself, okay, how do you, but, but what happened is because I was drinking every night, I didn't feel very authentic in going out and talking to people about being authentic because I wasn't yeah. living in my full authenticity. Right. Yes. And but we also can I, rationalize too. Like, well, this is how, you know, this is just, I'm just having a glass of wine to go to sleep. <laughs> like I just need to yeah. turn my brain off, you know, whatever the reason you know, is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think, you know, when it becomes something that you don't even begin to understand yourself and you say, why am I doing this? It just doesn't line up with who I am. And it's, it, it's starting to interfere with my familial relationships, with how I see myself. I'm starting to have conversations with myself that are negative versus positive. And I've just gone through all of this positive stuff, yeah. you know, through my learning 
journey. And so it becomes this, you know, tug of war in your brain. And, you know, you have to make a decision. Otherwise, you're just going to go down a path of, of no return. And I, you know, I would, I'm very, you use the word aware, and I love that word. And I think that's one of the best tools that we can have for ourselves is self-awareness. Yeah. And I would watch other people read about other people's stories who've gone down paths of coping and whatever, and they just seem too far gone. Or I would look at someone on the street and I would think to myself, everybody has a story. And that person didn't start on this earth that way. So something happened to get them to that point. Yeah. And I would look at people with, with true empathy, but I would also think to myself, compassion, you know, you, know, you just have compassion to, uh, and empathy is one thing, but compassion I think is even greater and I think the reason why I'm saying I mean it just came out of my mouth but (laughs) the reason why I feel that is because you might not be able to feel what they have gone through because you haven't gone through it yourself but you can have compassion that they've gone through something horrible you know whether it's bigger or smaller than your thing you know so compassion yeah right on and you know I and I would look at that situation or those situations and think to myself that could be you yeah. If you don't make some changes in your life, that could very well end up being you because I was also as a health professional, you know, 25 years, very, very aware of the fact that, you know what, what I'm putting in my body every single day is an addictive substance. This is an addictive, toxic substance. And you know what, it's, it's, it doesn't affect me any differently than it affects anybody else in terms of the potential for it becoming something that I can't turn back from at some mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these were all the conversations that were going on in my brain. And I said to myself, okay, how do you want to show up? And it really, this is the, this is the thing I love speaking about the most on these podcasts, because we all, we all know we have a, a vision of how we want to be or how we want to show up in our lives or what our idealistic self looks like. But it's the, th- the stopping point for many of us is that we can't face walking through the mud, the sticky stuff, looking in the mirror, not liking who you see in your reflection you know, we can't face that a lot. So we just revert back to old patterns versus saying, push through the hard stuff, you know, have those yep. repeat real conversations in your head that aren't good conversations that don't make you feel good about yourself, but, but have them to the point where you say, okay, enough. And now I'm going to make the change. You, you have to, you can't recognize all the beauty on the other side until you wade through the thick stuff, the hard things, you know, and yeah. a lot of people get scared before they even approach that place. And it's, it isn't fun, but it's the reward on the other side is so magnificent. It is. But here's the other thing that people might not realize, and I'm not discouraging anyone from walking through that mud because you get to walk through that mud, but <laughs> sometimes there's even more mud that you didn't expect. And actually your whole story reminds me of that. Yeah. Like all of a sudden now you have cancer, you know, it's like, yeah. uh, you know, there's so much more for us to learn. And, and like, once you go through that initial mud, doesn't mean that there's no more mud. It just means like you just have to learn how to persevere. And like you said, ask the questions, have the conversations with yourself, um, face the truth. And if you're ready to go through it again, then you got to go through it again. There's just so many layers to our growth and our learning. Correct. And so my whole premise behind discovering you is, is not just, you know, getting in touch with that inner essence piece of yourself and recognizing it. But how do you how do you get in touch with that part of yourself? How do you stay aligned with it? And then mm-hmm. how do you what tools do you use to give you that strength and that energy and that love light to go out and and you know bestow on everybody else around you so that you can show up as the best version of yourself everywhere you go? Because as you say, yes, you know, I've I've had three throughout this conversation, three distinct points in my life that have been really muddy. Mm-hmm. And I got through them all, but I always knew what my toolbox was. I always knew what my values were that I needed to align with to make me feel strong and whole within myself. 
And, you know, so that's, that's what I do with discovering you. When I work with people, and I talk to people from a stage, I talk about aligning with your core values. And we have a whole process of the way in which we do that. But it's really fundamental to also understand that your values will shift at different points in your life. Mm-hmm. So maybe the thing that you were taught to value as a young child, maybe you carry some of those into your adulthood, but chances are you don't. You shift and pivot with your life, right? Based mm-hmm. on where you're at. Mm-hmm. It's really important to do those check-ins with yourself and do those assessments so that you understand what do I value at this point in my life today? What makes me feel whole and healthy and strong and alive and rooted in who I am? And then you integrate those into your life on a regular basis so that you can show up as the best version of yourself. And that's how you get through each of those things because you know, life is here to everything we go through, I believe, is to teach us more about ourselves is to help us step more fully into who we are and into yep. our purpose and into, you know, the best and highest versions of ourselves. So you will continue to go through those experiences. But if you have if you're equipped with those things that you need to remain healthy and strong, you will navigate those those times. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but you will navigate them. I feel fully, you know, I feel fully confident. I mean, I know there are things that could still really rattle my cage in a big way, you know, um, if they were to happen in my life, but I feel pretty confident that I will, I will get through anything I need to get through for the rest of my days, because I've certainly been through enough and learned enough through the journey. And I have the tools I need to keep me strong and to keep me healthy and whole. Absolutely. I think we all can, I think, um, things may feel like we won't be able to get through them, but especially women, if I could say that, (laughs) You know, oh. we go, we go through a lot and, and a lot we don't talk yeah. about. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, um, that's really raising three daughters myself and being one of three girls as well. My girls and I talk about this all the time, you know, they're like, women have it really tough. I'm like, we do, we do no. have to navigate a lot. <laughs> um, and this is why, you know, I've specifically designed my target audience who I work with as women yeah. and I identify them as women who are you know, not necessarily going through crises, have have gone through big shifts or big pivotal moments in their lives as I did. I go back to that woman that I was before all of this happened. You know, I call her the midlife wife, the woman who was struggling with what is my purpose and and there's more I'm meant to be doing. I specifically target those women because all of us at some point are searching for something more. And even if we don't go through those pivotal life moments, it usually happens when the kids leave the nest. And then you say, oh, what is my purpose now? I've just spent the last 15 years making it all about two or three other people, not about me. And, and even without, and even, people. even women without children, um, when we get to be about my age, um, I'd say between four, um, I wish I was 40, between 40 yeah. and, you know, 50, 60, I think a lot of women, even again, without having children do question, like, what am I supposed to be doing? Um, right. I, I have a lot of, a lot of people come to my own business around that age, that age group. And that, and it's, you know, I'm just looking for something different more, whether it's a shift in their spirituality, um, religious religion slash spirituality, and they're shifting more mm-hmm. toward um, spirituality, um, or they just want to take better care of their mind, body. Um, I don't know. I just have noticed that it's, it's around this age that a lot of women are looking with or without kids. Um, and I think it's a natural yeah. thought to think, yeah, when the kids are adults and they're taking care of themselves, then we do think like, but that was my job for so long. Now, what do I do? Um, but I also have right. experience with women without children who are also doing the same around this age. Um, I think it's just a natural, I wonder why I think I'm, I'm I always think that, um, we weren't meant to live this long. I mean, it sounds crazy and dark, but 
for the longest time, our life expectancy was, I mean, I'm talking about like the middle ages, but (laughs) (laughs) I always use that excuse for having a, like a partner for a long time. Like we weren't meant to be monogamous for this long. (laughs) You know, it's such a long time. (laughs) It is a long time, you know, and it's a lot of life. And the thing is, if you can't figure it out, if you're struggling, with, you know, a sense of purpose or, yeah. you know, being in your life, it is a long life. It, is it really is. Life. I mean, I still consider myself, I, I think I'm in chapter two of my life, obviously, you know, the, you know, I have less years ahead of me than behind me, but, you know, I still feel like there's so much for me to do and explore and, and um, experience. But again, you know, I remember having those dark days too, thinking if I don't make some changes in my life, if I don't, make some decisions and take some of those hard looks and, and be really honest with myself about things that aren't working well in my life. I've got a lot of years left of feeling this way. And that's yeah. not a good feeling. It's all about your awareness so, and noticing that you feel that way. Yes. And, you know, I, I really like the point you made about, um, you know, earlier on about our, our past kind of helps us, you know, do mm. you see the other thing I do in my work and I wanted to touch upon this is I do work with journal writing. Because I, I find love journal it, writing. I, I always yeah. suggest journal writing to my clients. A lot of them don't love it, mm-hmm. but I, you yeah, know, it's, 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 it's not only are you emptying your brain of what's in your head. And so that helps clear your mind a bit. Um, but it also, you do, you're documenting something. So when you, right. when, when you do find something positive happening, like if you, you can, you can actually see the shift of your mindset changing. If that's what you're working on, that's what my clients work on. Yeah. Um, Yes. You can see it in your journal writing, you know, you can see a difference, a change. It's a great way to document things. Um, oh, I got it. So I do two types of journaling and one is just free flow, you know, wake up in the morning, write some morning pages. And to your point, you will see the shift in your mindset. I it's, it's active. It's, it's functioned as therapy for me where I'll just kind of work through problems day in day out I might write about the same thing but then I'll have a different perspective on it you know once I've had a conversation with somebody else about it or you know I've maybe done some reading about the subject matter or whatever so it really helps you kind of see your progress the other writing I love to do and this is what I like to do in workshops is memoir writing Mm. I love setting people into sort of uh, looking at their life you know where they are today and doing it over, let's say, a 12-week period, and we'll divide their life, whatever whatever their age is today, by those 12, by that number 12, and we'll take that segment. So let's just use 48 as a round number. So we'll take, you know, from zero to four, four to eight, eight to 12, 12 to 16, and so on until you get to today. But I'll, you'll look at the same set of targeted questions. Who were the key players in your life? Where did you live? What were your favorite memories? What was your favorite music, taste, sounds, smells? all these things to kind of help you see what the commonalities are and the things that still are important to you today. Mm-hmm. And what it does, I find it helps make sense of your past. Like it helps you take your things from your past and make sense of where you landed in your present and maybe a, create a roadmap for your future and where you want to go. If you are at that pivotal point where you say, what's next for me, right. I'm going to use, I'm going to give you an example. When I started doing my memoir writing, I realized that when I was a little girl, one of my favorite things to do was to sing. I would sing in my parents' basement for hours, but I was also very shy. So I would just do it for no one's ears but my own. And I would envision myself as some of these great, powerful female artists when I was singing. And then, of course, fast forward. And in my you know, teen years, I remember being very envious of the girl who was the lead in the high school musical. Not that I even tried out for it, but I thought that should be me because I, I, I want to be on a stage. I always envision myself on a stage. And then lo and behold, doesn't my career take me down a path where I am on a stage now speaking in front yeah. of people. 
it was such a natural fit and it just felt like the right place to be and the right space to play in. But if I look back now, it's because I always, always loved using my voice. It was something that always lit me up. I just didn't even make that connection as though until I started doing the writing though. Right. So it's really interesting how, you know, using these different tools can really help you discover yourself. I'd love that. Do we have time to take a real quick break? Yeah. Okay. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you're in the Mansfield, Massachusetts area and are looking for a space for yoga, meditation, great workshops, and life coaching support, check out Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. Mainstream even has a couple of virtual options if you don't live close by. Check out their offerings at MainstreamMeditation.com. You can also follow Mainstream Coaching and Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. The name is Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. And we're back. We're back with Lydia Noor. So exciting to have her here. We talked a little bit about her past. And as as you guys may know, I hope you know, if you're listening to my podcast, that HEAL actually doesn't stand for fixing something that's broken. HEAL actually stands for honoring your past, using humor, um, the letters actually stand for things. And I know I've said this before in our podcast, but um, during our break, we were chatting a little bit with Lydia about the, the acronym. And she said, I have prepared myself so well to address every letter on the, on the word heal. So I'm like, okay. So we were so grateful that she shared her past with us. Um, I think it's so important to not dwell on the bad things that happened to us and, and not appreciate them. I think as hard as our past was, it's important to honor your past because that's where you came from. That's why you are who you are right now. Um, and she did that so well in telling us about her story. Um, so tell us what, what else do you have for us, Lydia? What you do for E and oh. A and L? <laughs> well, I, I, let me say one more thing about honoring your past because sure. I think it's, it's really the key point about honoring it. You know, I think if you can look back at your past and see that in everything that you experience in life, there's a lesson in it. You know, if you can observe those experiences and find the meaning, the takeaway and what it's meant to teach us, and you can see the personal growth that comes out of those experiences, they really will make you a more compassionate and heart centered human being. That's what my past has shown me. So I just wanted to just leave that with, with your listeners. Not before only we move that, on. I, and if um, I can add to that, I think in my case, in honoring my past, it just helped me to become less angry, um, more forgiving um, in general, especially to the people in my past who I feel like, you know, that have hurt me. I've become definitely more compassionate. So that's why honoring your past is so important. So, so important. And you, I know you touched upon that later in, in this acronym with your L with the let go, but we'll talk about that in a sec. Yeah. So, you know, on, um, on healing, you know, healing with humor. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, speaking from my own specific, like humor has always been a thing in our family. My late husband used to defer to humor all the time and thank goodness my girls, you know, adapted his sense of humor. They have a yeah. running list of stuff. That they will pull out all the time at the dinner table saying things Papa used to say, and he was very quirky. So they'll pull all these quirky things and inevitably we'll have like a good old, you know, chuckle. And I'll say, mm-hmm. where did he come up with this stuff? I have no idea. It's just so random, but it, it's good for laughing. It keeps things light because humor keeps things light. And I think he, you know, I just, I just feel if you can find the lightness in it, I mean, you're always, you know, to, again, to every 
positive emotion, there's a, a, a negative emotion or to every happy emotion, there's a sad emotion, but you know, humor keeps things light and mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just, it's just a really good way. And you know what, especially around things like death, cancer, yeah. or whatever it is, people like they almost feel like it's taboo to find a humor in it. And mm-hmm. I think that's crazy. Like I say, forget that, like, find like find the laughter. I mean, it's laugh. They say laughter is medicine for a reason. So, you know, take, you know, take it wherever you can find it. So I definitely use humor all the time. Um, and even if it means that after a good laugh, I have a good cry. It's okay. Yeah, It's okay. It's, okay. All, it's all releasing an emotion yeah. or something an energy. And also it, it helps to elevate, elevate your energy. So if you think, if you, right. if you think exactly. of vib- vibrational energy and, and emotions that are higher vibrating than others, laughter just helps to elevate that vibration. So I just important. agree more, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, on alternate ways to heal. Uh, you know, we talked about this a bit earlier for me, it's a ton of time in nature, just getting quiet and receiving what comes yep. to yep. me. Yep. Uh, but at the same time, it's also aligning yourself with people in groups that have either journeyed through similar experiences as yourself or that at least kind of see things through a similar lens so that you can have a sense of community in, you know, in your healing. Yeah. I think, that's and I think really it's important. important to have an open mind to those alternate ways of healing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think when we go through yeah. something really traumatic, we may turn to, let's say, some of the things that I do. And some people may not have thought that energy healing was something they would ever think to do but you know it's an alternative to what you're doing now and I think that it's important to explore maybe e could be explore as well <laughs> explore is a beautiful word I think that should be absolutely added to your acronym um, we talk about we talk about on energy and emotions mm-hmm. I think you said this too about your energy and vibrational frequency you know pay attention to your energy because you know what is good energy and what is not good energy for you right yeah, you can feel it you yep. can feel it oh you absolutely can and you know like obviously an obvious example is in dealing with people right you know and as i mentioned above if you surround yourself and align yourself with like-minded or like spirited people you know that's good energy that's going to elevate you right and at the yeah. same you know by the same token being around toxic people you know, does the opposite to you. And, you know, sometimes you can't avoid those people in your life because they might be family or, you know, people in sort of your immediate surroundings in your workplace, what have you. Um, But you just have to learn to distance yourself and actually, you know, put up, you know, sort of a, a, an imaginary wall between you and them to protect yourself, you know, or, or to minimize your exposure so that you aren't around that kind of energy for too long. You you know, there's value, value your, your health and wellness, well-being enough right. to be able to have those safe boundaries with the people who are toxic in your life. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And I, I know I can guarantee every single person you would speak with Elizabeth and Brittany would say that they have someone like that in their life that, or they've had those experiences. And you're absolutely right. It's about honoring your well-being. And this is again, what I teach people. It's like, you know, honor your well-being, put your well-being first, you know, yeah. know what feels like a, yes, what feels like a no, what feels good, what doesn't feel good, honor right. it. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And then regarding your emotions, I would say, let them flow. Cause you know, studies, I was just reading something that said studies suggest that, you know, when a person is reacting to something, there's like a 90 second chemical process that happens in the body. And then after that, any remaining emotional response you have is just you choosing to stay in that emotional loop. So let it flow in out. Right. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's easy to stay stuck in that emotional loop, but as far as, um, you know, trapping and releasing them. I would, I would say breath work is something that is so undervalued and underused yep. and it's yep. free. 
So use your breath to just, you know, take in the good stuff, release the bad stuff. It really does work. I say this to my kids all the time. They roll their eyes. I'm like, just take a deep breath, take a few deep breaths, you know, and you'll feel so much more grounded. But it's true. And not only that, but physically, if you breathe in and uh, for a shorter count than your exhale, then your, your body thinks that you are calm and relaxed. You're actually tricking your mind and your body into thinking that Mm -hmm. you're regulated, you're calm. So you become more calm. And, um, and I teach mindful meditation and just meditation in general. And mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you the benefits that I've experienced from it. I just don't know why people aren't, everybody's not doing it. I really <laughs> don't. I really don't understand it. I don't know why people don't do half the stuff we tell them to do. Cause you know, the world would be <laughs> such a happy, healthy place. Right? Well, you know, I can probably say that it's, for, for me, and I'm going to guess it's for a lot of people that they don't, deep down, there's some level of, I don't deserve that happiness or yes. that health of well-being. I yes. yes. So. Oh, I know. And that's probably the biggest stumbling block I come across in my work. Because it's one thing for me to say, you need to align with your core values, or let's do it through journaling, or let's do it, let's use this approach. But the first step, the first hurdle is giving yourself permission to do it, believing that you deserve that's to put right. the work into yourself, right? Yep. That's yep. the first hurdle. Yeah. Yeah. That's always the thing that holds me back from a lot of different things, you know, just mm-hmm. knowing that I deserve it. So oh, I know that. We're, we're so so I'm always working on we it. Are. <laughs> and again, again, it's all those, it's, it's aligning yourself or surrounding yourself with people and having these conversations that say, yeah, you do. And then they uplift you and you realize you do. And so the key is to you know, to go do the work right away when you're feeling uplifted. And yeah, you're right. I do deserve it. If you can go do the work right away or start something that will get you on that path to doing the work. Right. Right. Um, and you know, create more opportunities for yourself to be in that positive space, you know, that supportive space, you know, right. because doing it alone, being in our heads alone, the conversation can go both ways, right? It can go to that negative space, right? I don't deserve it. Or it can go to, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it. Right. But when it's just us alone in our heads, that's a lot of time to think. So, you know, it really is important to have whatever, those support systems, networks, things, tools are, you know, yeah, in your especially back the journaling. That's exactly it. The, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. a lot of, I talk to a lot of people who say, I don't like journaling and I give them a hard time all the time, but you know, just <laughs> you're having a conversation with yourself. How good, is, what good is that? You know, you have to get it on paper. You have to have a conversation. with yeah. Right. And it's, yeah. it's for no one's else, no one's eyes, but your own. So, you know what, write whatever you need to, whatever you need to say, good, bad, ugly, otherwise, you know, it's, yeah. it's for your eyes only. Honestly, I, I, I agree. I think it's such great therapy. Uh, where are we at? We're on awareness. So I think, you know, <laughs> we talked, uh, you see how excited I am? Cause I made my notes. I'm so right? excited. So, You're so what? excited. <laughs> I love, well, we talked about again, self-awareness and that's so massive to me. That's just one of the greatest things First you can step. have. You might yeah. not make that second step but being aware that it's something you want to change or whatever, you know, just being aware is such a huge first step. Well, it helps you know, right. If you're self-aware, I think you, like I said, you know, for me, it was that self-awareness piece that really helped me to, to take that last final step I needed to do and address my you know, my issue with alcohol and say, mm-hmm. I don't need this in my life anymore. But it was my self-awareness that allowed me to really take a good hard look at that. So, you know, it lets you know your values, what, what your needs are, who you are as a person, you know, what your habits, your emotions, your strengths, your weaknesses, like being self-aware, you're, it allows you to get a handle on all of that. And it allows you to motivate yourself better and manage your stress better and help you with your decision making and, you know, to lead and to motivate others more effectively. You know, it's, yeah. it's an incredible 
incredible tool, incredible tool. And then on adapting, uh, let's see, what did I say about that? Uh, Jesus, that's all you did in your whole life was adapt. Every time you go through something challenging, we have to adapt to what's new now. What's new now? Well, that's it. It allows you to expand your capacity, right? It helps you manage change. And, um, you know, instead of throwing your energy into trying to change your circumstance, you know, you can change yourself from the inside, right? You know, therefore you can thrive. And it's what we talked about, being able to thrive in whatever situation is, is, you know, you find yourself in. Right. That's what adaptability is, is Absolutely. for. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Yeah. And I think women yeah. do that really well. I think we do that really well. Oh, no kidding. We pivot and shift all day long, but we tend to do it for other people, right? It seems to be on the needs of what other people need from us versus what we need from ourselves. Right. So that's, oh, you know, here's the thing. We are experts at, at what we need to do to be the best versions of ourselves. We know it better than anybody. We have all the tools we need. We just for whatever reason, can't get past that one stumbling block of giving ourselves permission to do it for ourselves, saying we yep. deserve it for ourselves, yep. right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Ladies, what do we say about love? I could talk about this. <laughs> it's the only hours. thing there is, love. Yeah. If you don't love, have love for yourself, yeah. how can you love others? And if you don't give to yourself, right? how can you give to others? If you don't have compassion for other people, I don't know. It's just love is it, the end all be all. I. Yeah, right, exactly. Like I just feel... It is so simple, but living from your heart just opens you up to endless possibilities. And it's such yeah. a reciprocal thing, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, it's, it's just, yeah, I, I used that better than I did. So I'm not going to say anymore. <laughs> and you know what? That <laughs> love and that peace that you felt after your husband had passed, I strongly believe that was his energy surrounding you 100%. and him. 100%. Yep. No. And, and the fact that you didn't, it's, it's, the fact that you didn't, you made that conscious decision to sit with it and, and process a little bit on your own, I think allowed for that energy to come in. Because if you didn't Mm -hmm. do that, not to go back to the story before, but I just, I was thinking about this the whole time. If you did go back, if you did go back to the knee jerk reaction of, I need to call everybody right now, you wouldn't have been able to sit with that and feel that process that or allow that energy to come in and surround you. I just think that's such a beautiful, such a sad story, but such a beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful part to that story and how aware you of that feeling that you had. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, my only, the if, if you ask me what is the one word I would use to describe all of that, you know, my entire journey, everything I've shared with you, but that moment is gratitude. I, I was just, it was just overarching and, and so grateful. And, you know, listen, the connection's still there, you know, so it's good. I, I feel the energy, the strength, the wisdom, uh, you know, it's all there. Good. It's all there because I've, because I've, you know, because I've continued to work on the connection. Right. Right. And I, I live from that place that's rooted in, in my inner essence and my energy. So, you know, when, when you're very aligned and your vibrational frequency is high, um, you, you connect. Very naturally. Absolutely. So yep. You yeah. have to be in alignment it. yourself. So that's it's important that mm-hmm. you are in alignment yourself. And then you yeah, and you can connect to that energy. I love that story. That's yeah. such a beautiful story. Yeah. Thank so, you. So uh, you know, after people listen to your story, they're gonna be like, Oh my gosh, I need to connect with this woman. She's amazing. So <laughs> we have some information for people. So. Yeah, to connect with you. Um, By the way, she's also an author. So you can find Lydia's book called Ignite Your Inner Spirit um, on Amazon or right from her website. And I will put this information in our podcast notes, but I will also say here that her website is 
LydiaNoor.com, and I'm going to spell her name. It's L-Y-D-I-A-K-N-O-R-R, like the vegetable dip. <laughs> I love Nor vegetable dip. Um, yeah. But you can also find her on Instagram. So you can follow Lydia on Instagram at discovering underscore y dot o dot u dot underscore. It's discovering you. And again, that's going to be in the podcast notes. Um, but you can go find her right now. Britt and I always go follow our guests like while we're on the podcast so we don't forget. <laughs> so I'm going to go follow you right now on, on Instagram. You'll, you'll find me there. Thank you. Um, so is there anything else you want to add before we ask you our three questions that we ask all of our guests? You know what? I just want to, you can add anything. I just want to say one more time. It's been so nice to, to get to know you. Go ahead. And you both as well. Thank you so much. I just want to reiterate one point we made that we talked about, um, and it's part of your acronym as well, but it's about on living in the present. And it's, it's that thing that we talked about that my husband used to say, just enjoy the moment. Absolutely. You know, I found, I found myself, you know, really what I learned from living in the present is where I'm most peaceful. And to me, inner peace is, is the Holy grail. So, Oh, well, that's so interesting. I was just going to ask you a question about when, (laughs) She knows Brittany. She listened to one of our episodes. <laughs> she's, she's sneaky. Watch out for that. Lydia. I, I, just found, I just found you on Instagram. So what we usually ask, one of the three questions is when you're at your most peaceful, what are you doing? I'm going to say probably walking in nature, but like you said, yes. being super present. Mm-hmm. Is there, did yeah. you want to answer the question? I mean, I just answered it for you, but both the answer is yes to both I mean I usually find my peace I usually find myself being able to be most present when I'm out in nature somewhere um but yeah I find it meditating too I actually have a really cool thing that happens a lot when I'm going to sleep just as I'm just about nodding off I find myself in this very interesting state where a lot of things will come at me whether they're visuals or thoughts or just words or you know um, but it's a very calming place to be. And I actually can feel my heart rate really slowing down and just being very, very present with it all. Curious, um, but very calm. It's Do you happen wonderful. to get like, like downloads, ideas, thoughts, images, those things? I call them yeah, spiritual downloads. Like, is that I like, do. yeah, I do. I get visual images and I don't know who they are, um, but they're so cool. And I, you know, as soon as I get in my head and say, who are you? Like, what it, show me God. more than it's gone. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, so I just recently, just recently, I was, um, I had a dream. Um, and I know it wasn't a dream because I just know it wasn't a dream, but there were literally five or six faces in my face, um, right in front of me, just talking to me. And I'm like, okay, who are you? And then it's done. Like it's gone. The second <laughs> I acknowledge they're gone. So I think maybe because oh, yeah. I probably have a little bit of fear <laughs> faces in front of me while I'm sleeping in the middle of the night, but um, they usually disappear. It's like, okay, well, I'm ready to listen to see who you are, but you got to tell me. So I just, find, I think I, more than anything, I find the whole experience so cool. I, I just think it's really neat. I try and stay curious and open with it. I've never had it evolve into getting a, a bigger message or, it, you know, you know, getting anything more than just a fleeting visual, but I just find it so interesting. I just love the fact that there's a connection. I do too. That connection will always be there, especially if you're mm-hmm. maintaining your, um, you know, your um, being true to yourself. 
and aligning yourself with your true self and that I think connection will always be there. All right, Brittany, do you want to ask the site? You guys, Brittany's here. Did you know that Brittany was actually here? (laughs) Yeah, I'll ask the second question. Yeah, you're a pro at the second question. Yeah, I know this one by heart now. Yes. (laughs) Um, Lydia, do you have a favorite like self-help book or spiritual book that you've read? Oh my goodness. I got to tell you, I read so many spiritual books after my husband died. I was just, I devoured them. Um, And I don't know if I had one Um, I like Carolyn Miss. I think it's anatomy of the spirit. Um, That's really good. But I just really loved, I loved reading more about people's stories about what their experiences were um, with their departed and love seeing the alignments and the the similarities to my own experiences. I love seeing synchronicities. I got a really quick story if I can share it. I remember reading this one story about a woman who lost her sister and they had this special song that they always listened to. And whenever it came on the radio, she knew that her sister was somewhere present. And I think there was something also to do with like some random colored car and she said you know whenever I see that car it was something her sister and she used to always say you know you know yeah and she'd know that was her sister like close by and I remember as I was but the cool thing is I was reading this chapter and as I was reading the chapter I had this melody in my head and I was trying to kind of place it I'm like what is the song what is the song and it was do you know the band Boston yeah. Well, that's kind of where song. we live. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, hello. Uh, more than a feeling by Boston, right? Oh, and yeah. so that was more another. Than a feeling. Yeah. yeah. So this, this is like it's the long intro, right? And as I'm reading this chapter, I'm hearing this song, and I'm like, well, "Why is this song in my head? Why is this song in my head?" And all I could think was that Mike and I used to listen to a lot of Boston when we were dating. And yeah. sure enough, I finished reading the chapter. I turn the page, and it is called "More Than a Feeling." It's the next no chapter. I'm like, okay, that's how. It, that's, that's just my cool stuff, right? I, I yeah. like those things, right? So, those, yeah, yeah. Those stories uh, are my favorite kind of stories. Brittany, should I tell yeah. her the story about my dad's mask card? Yeah, yeah. All right. Do you want to hear a story? I do. Okay. Do you have time for that? Truly, though, you I, can I, say I no. It's okay. All right. So, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> the room. The room I Okay. The room that I'm sitting in was Brittany's bedroom when she was younger and living here in the house. Um, And she had, this is going to be sort of a long story. So tell me if I'm getting confusing. Um, It's okay. You can stop me. So Brittany had moved home and then she moved out and then she moved home again and she was an adult. So, you know, I was like, you can stay here forever. Um, But she moved out again. And I was in the room feeling sad and I was cleaning out some of her things. And I was going through her desk, which I'm not sitting at now. It's behind me. Um, and I pulled out a mask card. Um, you know, those things you get at funerals that the family makes with the person's name, birth date, death date, maybe a poem or something from the Bible. I don't know. I'm not very religious. So (laughs) I pull out this card and I'm like, what is this? It's in Brittany's room. And I'm thinking who, what funeral did she go to? Um, and it was my aunt's which who I was very close to. She died in 1981. Brittany wasn't alive. Um, I was very young. Um, probably the first big death in my family. So it was really meaningful as they all are, but it was a, it was a big one. Um, and I would spend every weekend at her house at my dad's cause he lived with her. And, um, there was absolutely no reason for that card to be in Brittany's room period. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know I had the card. So I'm looking at the card and I'm like, this is wild. Like I think, you know, immediately I'm thinking she's here telling me it's going to be fine. Don't worry, but it's going to be fine or whatever. But the fact that it was there freaked me out because there was no, again, no reason why it should have been there. So I look at the the card and I noticed that her death date 
was the day that it was that I found the card just 35 oh. or 25 years earlier to the day yeah. I found this card and I'm like holy crap so that that was cool um I don't even know where the thing is now quite frankly oh. anyways it was so cool and so um let's fast forward to this past week I was I went to go see a medium, someone who was on the podcast, who was like episode three or four, Lynn Marie. And I had a reading and we're kind of talking about my dad and my brother and my sister. And then my aunt came up because she said, do you have any other questions? And I asked about my aunt because I was very close to her. And I told Lynn Marie the story about the mask card and how it was freaky that I found the card in Brittany's room 35 years later to the day of her death. And she was like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, I go home <laughs> and, fr- and two days later, Friday morning, so I saw Limri on Wednesday, Friday morning, I wake up and I have this weird, my left, right eye is really kooky. I couldn't, it was very blurry. I couldn't see out of it. And these are readers, so I don't have vision issues. I just use these because I can't, like you guys are blurry now. Mm-hmm. And that's only really okay. recent. So my right eye was blurry, weird. It was like foggy. It was just, there was nothing in it. It wasn't red, it wasn't itchy. It felt like there was something in it. It was bothering me. And I was concerned about driving because I was going to drive to my friends that was about two and a half hours away. Um, and I decided I can't, I can't do that. Like there's something wrong with my eye. I have to see an eye doctor today. Like I'd like to go see a doctor today because this is concerning. So I decide not to drive. I'm cleaning out my purse. <laughs> I told you this is a long story, but I'm almost there. I'm cleaning out my wallet and I'm like, because um, I do this monthly, I clean up my wallet monthly. I collect all my receipts and I sort which ones are like tax write-offs and not, and yeah. I shred the rest. And I, because I have tons of receipts. So I'm cleaning it out and I pull out my friend's um, dad had just passed in August and I had his mask card in there because I just went to the funeral. And so I knew I had that in my wallet. And wouldn't you know, I pull out another one. I'm like, what the hell is this? It's my father's, my father's mask card is in my wallet from 2003. And I haven't even owned the wallet that long. And I didn't even know I had the damn thing. It was not there oh. before. <laughs> like, this is weird. I love that. But I do think it's, you know, my, something was going on medically with my eye. And I just think it's another message. Like, don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. Everything's fine or I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Yes, exactly. And you know, they don't miss a thing. Yeah. Right. They are there. I've had that experience too, where their voice just pops in before you even have a chance to finish forming your thought or your question, the answer is already there. And you know, it's them speaking about your own voice. I I love it. I I think it's, I, I, my wish for people is that they were more open to it. Um, Well, it definitely brings a sense of peace. Yeah, it brings a sense of peace to understanding what happens after we die. And whether we understand it fully or not, at least it's it's a different way to view it. You know, like they're always there. They're just not physically there. They're just in a different form. I mean, I strongly believe it. So, Yeah, and I I agree with you that when you have a really profound dream where the message is super clear, um, it's the message. It's not just a dream. It's real. It was, yeah. it was intended for, for, for you to know. Um, yeah. And I've had, you know, you and I could talk offline. I have had some phenomenal <laughs> dreams. That are beautiful. So I, I know what's coming. I know where, you know, what's next and, um, and I'm not afraid at all. It's going to be magnificent. Good. <laughs> yeah. I look forward to that. Yeah. 
All right. And we do have, no, we have one more question. Oh, one oh, more, oh, and then oh. we're really done. All right. If money okay. isn't an if money wasn't an object at all, what would you be doing with your life? Exactly what I am. I know. Yeah. Okay. All right, because, ladies because, and gentlemen. <laughs> I know that didn't that didn't sound like I know. I no. should have made it a little bit more like, you know, Everybody, lead up. No. I say this to people all the time. I say what I do isn't rooted in making money. It's rooted in making a difference and creating positive impact. And if and I can help. You, and it's what you're supposed to be doing. So when you know right. you're supposed to be doing something and you're making an impact, you're helping others, especially going through, gone through what you've gone through. And now you're helping others. Um, yeah. It's just what you're supposed to be doing. So. Yeah. I think if sense. you can share even one life for the better, even if that life is only your own, then you should be sharing Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Well, well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so happy that we were able to make it work. Um, and thank you so much. Don't forget, yeah. you can get Lydia's book. It's called Ignite Your Inner Spirit. You can get that on Amazon or on her website, which is LydiaNor.com. Look for those notes in the podcast notes. And it has been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks ladies. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And here I am. I am back. Just came back to say one more time, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited that you enjoy this podcast and keep coming back for more. We can't wait to see you next time. But until then, may you be happy, healthy, safe, and live a life that's filled with ease. Thank you. Bye.